Good morning. How you guys doing? My name is Ryan Bowser. I'm the Connections Director here at the church. Uh, we are in week number four of a five-week series that we're calling Not Without Hope. Uh, and the big idea behind this series is that, is that we navigate today uh, with the hope of tomorrow. And it kind of feels like we need this message now more than ever. I mean, anybody else think last year was, it was kind of a rough year, you know? Uh, inflation was, was like the highest it's been in, in 40 years. I, I tried to go out and buy a carton of eggs last week, and it had cost me like as much as a car. Uh, you know, interest rates are up right now. Uh, we've seen this, uh, this prolonged war uh, between Russia and Ukraine that, 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 that's terrible, uh, you know, from a humanitarian standpoint, but it's had, but it's had global uh, consequences. And then we had this, you know, we had this, uh, you know, midterm election towards the end of the last year that, I mean, my goodness, it just, it just seemed to only further uh, the divide that, that we have here in America, and all along the way, it just, it just feels like a lot of uh, the laws that we're seeing at the, at the federal and the state level are, are, are starting to shift to where, uh, to where a lot of things are based on uh, more you know, prevailing secularism. And at the same time, this shift away from, and, and at times, even a, a hostility towards the Christian lifestyle. And so that's why I think we need to uh, we need to we need to learn about the church at Thessalonica because because when Paul wrote his letter to them, uh, the Thessalonians were were having some really bad years, and they were facing an intense. Uh, persecution at that time. And that's why, if you remember back to uh, our first week in this series, Paul opened up his letter to the Thessalonians in chapter 1, verse 3, when he says, you know, I'm thankful for you guys, and I'm praying for you guys, because remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and your labor of love and steadfast of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, so this month, I've just, I've been really encouraged Courage as uh, as I've been reading through First uh, Thessalonians because it's a reminder that my hope and your hope isn't you know it's not based on inflation getting back down to to two percent and it, and it's not based on uh, political leaders um, you know making laws that that are going to protect our religious liberties it, it 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 rests solely in Jesus Christ as the source of our enduring hope. Here's how the apostle Peter put it when he said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And listen to this, in, that, in an inheritance that is imperishable, and undefiled and unfading and kept for you in heaven. So then the greatest problem that we face isn't, isn't what's going on uh, in the economy and it, isn't, and it isn't what's going on in a messed up political system. It's the reality that, that you and I are, are born into sin and as a result that means we must be born again into new life with Christ. 
And in case you don't believe that, I mean, remember, you know, nobody has to teach a little baby to cry in order to get what they want, right? That baby's like, you know, you better come over here and, and change this diaper and, and give me a bottle, mom and dad, if you ever want to have like a little bit of sleep at night. And so we were born selfish. But then what happens as we get older, you know, uh, we're just selfish in, in more adult ways. It's, you know, it's not diapers and bottles we want anymore. It's, you know, it's, it's better paying jobs. You know, it's, it's, this, it's this need for constant attention and wanting other people to notice you. It's, it's wanting to have, you know, full control and autonomy over the decisions that you make in your life, in your body, and all of these things. And, and really, from a theological standpoint, what it is, is it's simply the desire to want to be your own God. And really, that's what sin is. And it's pervasive in our life and it wrecks havoc. But ultimately, what's important is that sin separates us from God. And yet, the holy and perfect God who, who cannot allow sin to be in his presence demonstrated his infinite mercy by, by offering his son Jesus as payment for our sin. So then Jesus' death on a cross becomes a, a representative in our place, therefore satisfying the justice of God. And then three days later, Jesus rose from the dead and now he's seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. And so that's why, as a result, Peter says that if you and I are, are born again, then we have, we receive this incredible, incredible inheritance that's imperishable, and it's undefiled, and it's unfading. And that's why Jesus is our source of enduring hope. So in this series that we've been in, we've been talking about how we navigate living in that glorious reality of the hope that we have in Jesus. And so today we're going to talk about, about how we navigate relationships. In other words, uh, how do I love people well in response to the great love that God showed me and the hope that I now have in Jesus? And that's why I appreciate how, how Paul described it back in, uh, in chapter 1, verse 3, when he, when he called it a labor of love. That means, that means it takes some work. You know, it doesn't always come natural for, for you and I to, to love other people. But what I want you to understand here today is that, is that growing in our love for Jesus expands our capacity to love one another and to love other people well. Another way of saying that, and really the big idea for today, is that as hope endures, the heart expands. In other words, the more that you and I come to know and understand and embrace the hope that we have in the person of Jesus Christ, our hearts will begin to expand to love other people well. And in our text today, we're going we're gonna to look at how, how that love is expressed for those inside of the church as well as for those who are outside of the church. 
So go ahead and grab your Bibles, open them up to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 9. And as you're doing that, uh, here's the first thing I want you to see. It's that loving those inside the church helps us remember Jesus. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that is indeed what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. So Paul starts off by saying, you guys are doing a a great job of loving one another inside the church. You're doing a great job, but I want you to keep going. In this phrase, uh, uh, brotherly love, it comes from the Greek word Philadelphus, uh, which, is, which is how the city of Philadelphia became, uh, became known to, to be referred to as the city of brotherly love. In brotherly love, it, it speaks to this, this unique relationship that exists between followers of Jesus. Charles Spurgeon described brotherly love like this. He said, we are brothers and sisters because in Christ, we are all one family. And therefore, it is that we are called to a new kind of love. A love which is like the love of brothers of the same family, only more sublime. And with better reasons lying at the bottom than even the blood relations can boast. And it's a pretty shocking statement if you think about it. Because what Spurgeon is getting at is is this reality that that the love that exists between uh, people uh, within the church is even deeper and richer and more meaningful than the love that exists between you and your own family members. But now, how's that even possible? Well, Spurgeon says it's, it's because of what lies at the bottom or the foundation of that relationship. Let me read for you first John chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. And it says, In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son to be the perpetuation for our sins. And this is important. Beloved, if God so loved us, then we also ought to love one another. And it's a great reminder that if you're here today and you're born again, that means that that God loved you first and he pursued you first. You didn't just wake up one day and decide, you know, I'd I'd much rather live my life in in glad submission to the authority of God rather than do whatever it is I want to do. So that's why God sent Jesus as a propitiation, which which just means that, that Jesus was a guilt offering to appease the wrath of God. And so then his death gives us life. And now, and now the spirit of God constantly points our hearts back to Jesus saying, remember that. Remember that sacrifice. Remember that God did that as a great manifestation of his love for you. And so then as a result, 
the common bond for those of us inside the church is really just a bunch of people getting together saying, yeah, that happened to me too. That happened to me too. And because God so loved you and he so loved me, then that should expand our capacity to love one another. And we see this, this call to, to love one another. It's really important. It's, it's found 13 different times throughout the New Testament. But now, but, but now how do we do it? How, 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 do we, how do we love one another? And, and even more so, how does this help us remember Jesus? I, I want to put before you uh, just one of these. Um, and it's to, it's to practice hospitality. And it's found in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8 through 9. Listen to what it says. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. And here's how. Show hospitality to, love one, hospitality to one another without grumbling. So now, remember, hospitality isn't just throwing a party. Because the purpose of hospitality is, is to connect with people rather than just try to impress them. And you're inviting people into your home with, with the intent to, to encourage them rather than just to entertain them. And, and, and you're encouraging them because, because hospitality says you're welcome here. This is, this is a safe place for you to come. Because remember, Jesus says, you know, come to me when, when you feel like, like, like the pressure of this world and the weight is crushing on you right now. And I will give you rest for I am gentle and I am lonely at heart. And in me, your soul can find rest. And Jesus even says, you know, as a matter of fact, you know, I've got a room prepared just for you and it's got your name on it. You can come on in anytime you want and you can take your shoes off and you can relax and you can hang out because uh, at the end of the day, I want you to know that you're welcome here and you're loved here. And that's what, and that's what you're communicating when, when you practice hospitality in your home. And I was, I was reminded of that uh, this past fall. Um, you know, I'll just tell you, you know, like a few of us on our staff team, um, you know, just felt like we were under uh, a lot of, you know, spiritual attack. And it, and it seemed like, you know, just one week after the next, we were just, we were just getting kicked in the teeth uh, by the enemy. Uh, when all was said and done, you know, we just, we just felt exhausted and, and, and we felt discouraged and one day I was talking to I was talking to my friend Mark who who leads up our our next steps team and and I was just kind of I was just kind of venting about about what we were going through and then and then Mark does something beautifully simple. He he invites us over to his house. You know and he and he puts out some some food for everyone and then and then he goes around and he and he hands out these these slips of paper and asks us to to write down uh, our, our our prayer requests and and listen this wasn't like this wasn't like one of those you know hold hands in in, in kumbaya you know prayer moments that that you might think I mean when these prayers started to get grimy like like God I you know I know that I know that you're there uh, but it feels like you've abandoned me right now 
And God, I know that I know that you're good, but I don't understand if how it is that you can be good and you can allow all of these bad things to be happening in my life. I just don't understand that. And man, sometimes we would just we would just stop and we would we would come around each other and, and we would lay hands on each other and we would confess out to God and we would and we would cry and we would plead out to God together. But here's what that night did for us. It helped us remember Jesus. And it, and it, and it helped us remember that, that Jesus cares about our circumstances. And at the same time, that the, the love and the hope that we have in Jesus at the same time transcends our circumstances. And so we walked away from that night with our souls feeling refreshed. And you might be sitting here right now saying, you know, um, you know my house is just not big enough, you know, to, to, to host something like that. Um, you know, I, 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 but what I would say is I, I, bet, it's, I, I bet it's big enough to, to invite one person into your home or maybe, you know, maybe even two. You know, because remember, you're not, you're, not trying to, you're not trying to throw a party. And hospitality is, is, is not about a home. It's really about the heart behind it. And so what that means is, is, that, is that even if your home is small, your heart can still be very big. Or maybe you're thinking right now, you know, that sounds awesome, uh, but I just don't have time for hospitality. You know, I don't have time to pe- I don't have time to pe- you know have people come inside my home. Uh, you know, I've got work in the morning. Our schedules are busy. Man, my kids are all over the place, and we're running around them. And any other uh, whatever it is, it may be. The bottom line is, I just don't have time to do that. You know, it's interesting if. If you go back and you read uh, the first eight verses of uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, you know, leading up to this point, um, Paul is basically saying to the Thessalonians, you, you, you want to know how to please God? You want to know, know how to really love God well? He says, I want you to become really serious about your holiness, and I, and, I, and I bet when that letter got read out loud that you could have heard a pin drop because Paul was speaking in that moment directly into a culture that was wildly promiscuous with their sexuality. And yet, and yet here was Paul basically saying that, that, hey, the way that you can best uh, love God and honor God is, is by guarding your sexuality. In other words, Paul says, you know, you, you actually kind of need to be, you know, prudish with your sexuality. And if I could say it this way, I think, I think for some of you that, to, you know, that, that might believe, you know, I just don't have time for hospitality. I don't have time to, to open my home to others. In all reality, it's kind of like you're, like you're being prudish with your hospitality. And I think this has become even more of a problem, you know, going through and out of a pandemic. But Jesus says that, that the way you and I love each other well is when, is when you actually become really promiscuous with your hospitality. 
And so that's one way that, that we can love uh, those inside the church. Now, now Paul's going to pivot, uh, and he's going to address loving those outside of the church. And essentially what you're going to see, it's pretty interesting, it's, it's not necessarily about what you're doing for those outside of the church. It's really about who it is that you're becoming in Christ. This is why loving those outside of the church helps us honor Jesus. Look now at verse 11. It says, aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you. So that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. So now, when Paul says that phrase, live quietly, what he's talking about is, is us creating these, these life rhythms that, that allow you and I to, to connect with God rather than getting caught up in all the noise that's out there in the world and getting caught up in all of the distractions. And it's why, by the way, that, that we wanted to start off this year in this series, you know, reading through First uh, Thessalonians together and, and, and doing a Bible plan. Because, because you know, whether it's been, uh, you know, a, a pandemic or, or, or you know, a, an election season or, or all of that, it just seems really hard not to get distracted by, by all of the noise. And I would just say, if you're here today and you haven't followed along with us during this series as we've been reading First Thessalonians together, I want you to know it's not, it's not too late to start. If, if you go to, to our LifePoint app, if you don't have that, you could download wherever it is you get apps. Um, at the bottom, you'll see a, a section that's called Resources, and you want to find the one that's called Media and Messages. And then you click on a tab that says Drivecast. And starting on January 9th, because they're all listed out by date, uh, what we did was uh, we basically read a chapter a day from First Thessalonians. And then the Drivecast was just kind of a summary of what you just read. But then starting on January 16th, if you go into that Drivecast, you'll actually see a, a special notes tab. And, and, and what we've done, our, our, uh, our next steps and our writing team has actually written a devotional for you that, that starts to break down uh, 1 Thessalonians in a more, you know, kind of, uh, you know, verse by verse, by verse uh, manner. Uh, and then the drive cast uh, goes on and explains that a little bit more. He, here's the point. Here, here's the point of why we did that. It was in order to give you some tools so that you could connect with God and be able to disconnect from all of the noise. And now Paul, Paul points out uh, two other, you know, really practical ways that, that you and I can, can work on who it is that we're becoming in Christ. Because, because this is what sets the foundation for us to love those outside of the church well. And the first one is to mind your own business. And what this means is, is that, is that you avoid controversy and, and, and instead that you favor peace. In other words, you try your best not to get involved in things that don't concern you. And I think we could do that in a couple of ways. The first is that, that we don't gossip. Uh, because, because if you think about it, when, when we gossip, uh, really what we're doing is, is we're trying to insert ourselves into uh, things that oftentimes don't really concern us. 
Or, or maybe even gossip in a way that, that, you're, that you're, you're inserting yourself, getting involved in things that, quite frankly, uh, they, you, you know, they're just concerning you too much. And it would be healthy to just, to just move away from that, right? I think another way that, that we can work to, to mind our own business is what I'll just call a, a principled withdrawal from public affairs. I think we need to be really careful about what we listen to, about, about where we get our news. And, you know, this, this may not come as a surprise, right? But, but TikTok isn't always the most reliable way to get your news source. Now, I'm not saying that this means that you and I should be, should be blissfully unaware of what's going on in the world. And I'm certainly not saying that, that there aren't moments where you and I absolutely need to speak out against injustice in the world. But what I am saying is that as much as we can control it, that, that we actively and deliberately choose not to engage those outside of the church in such a manner that is antagonistic and leads to dissension. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Uh, not long ago, uh, my daughter's school uh, had an author come in to, to read a book that, that I'll tell you, uh, my wife and I were, were at least a little bit concerned about. Um, I'll say the, the book itself was controversial enough that it had been banned in other school districts. So on the one hand, you know, I have a, I have a responsibility to, to protect my 10-year-old. And so we went to the teacher and, and we asked the teacher, you know, a couple of questions about, about this book. And, and here, was the, here was the conclusion we came to. That this was something that, that we would prefer that our daughter uh, not have read to her. However, uh, instead of protesting the book, which we could have done, and we could have gathered with other people in protest of the book, what we determined was it's probably something that we can just have deliberate conversations with our daughter in the privacy of our own home. And listen, it worked out, it worked out just fine. But now we didn't ignore the situation. Okay, you know, Paul's not saying that, that you, need to, you need to stick your heads in the sand and pretend like bad things aren't happening in the world and there aren't things that you shouldn't care about. But what he is saying is that as much as you can control it, that you need to mind your own affairs privately and to avoid controversy when you can in order to seek a peaceful resolution. And believe it or not, this is, this is a way that, that we can love those outside of the church well. And the second thing Paul says is to uh, work with our hands. Now, uh, if you're like me and, uh, and you sit behind a desk all day, uh, Paul's not saying that, that you need to go uh, find a new job. Uh, it, what, it, Paul is, he's talking about a, theolo a theology of work. He's talking about us being known for working hard at our job. And now Paul said something similar to uh, the Colossian church. He just worded it a little different, but I think it's helpful here. Here's how he put it to the Colossians. He said, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Why? Knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. 
Because you are serving the Lord Christ. And I think we live in a we live in an interesting period of time because right now uh, the, the the power dynamic inside the workplace has has shifted, uh, and and it shifted to uh, to employees having uh, a bit more of the power in in a way from uh, employers and in corporations from from having the power because uh, because companies right now are are, are desperate for workers. You know, I think right now uh, there's still uh, there's still two almost two jobs available for every one person that's unemployed, and so what that means is is that is that these companies are constantly competing by by you know uh, giving you know higher wages and, and more benefits and, and more flexibility, and oftentimes that means that that you can you can jump from job to job to job with little consequences in order to to craft a situation that is exactly the way that you want it to be. And listen, I don't think that there's anything wrong with wanting some of those things. I really don't. But I do have two concerns. The first concern I have is the danger of compromising our credibility. Because listen to me, if, if your demands for, 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 for better pay or, or, or for a more flexible work schedule or, uh, or for a like, lighter workload, if those demands are the exact same ones as everyone else in your company, then at the end of the day, what happens is, is you end up just looking like everybody else. And yet... If you and I really believe that, that we have this, this eternal reward in heaven, in this, in this transcending hope in Jesus Christ, then, then that should mean that, that you and I don't have to be so focused on maximizing everything it is that we can get out of this world, especially in the workplace. And meanwhile, at the same time, it's actually an opportunity to, to show those outside of the church that we are willing to work hard, not because, not because our boss is awesome and not because uh, our coworkers are, are so helpful, not because the pay is top notch, but because uh, your heavenly father looks down and he is the one that approves your work. The hope that we have says God looks at our faithful work. And then, and, then, and then we know that our eternal reward is already set. It's already secure in heaven. Second concern I have is, is our danger of, of losing access. Uh, and, and I think that this relates a little bit more to uh, some of the current push to, to work from home or or maybe to have a hybrid schedule. Uh, you, you know, it was interesting. I was talking to um, the lead pastor of our church, Dean Folks. You know, it was maybe about 10 years or so, uh, 10 years ago or so. And, and I was telling him at the time, you know, I was considering going into uh, full-time ministry. And I'll never forget what, uh, what he said to me. He said, you know, Ryan, in, in your current work, where you're at now, you have access to people that I, as a full-time pastor in ministry, just quite simply, we'll never have access to. 
And so I think you need to ask yourself that, uh, that is your current work situation, your schedule, the way that you've been doing things, is that causing you to lose access to people outside of the church? Because if it is, it's a problem. And again, here's why Paul says that, that this is important for us to remember. It's in verse 12. It says, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. In other words, your reputation matters. And how you walk before outsiders matters. In, in, in doing things like, like avoiding gossip and, uh, and, and, and minimizing controversy as, as much as you can control it, what happens is, is that signals that you are, in fact, a peacemaker. And it doesn't mean that you're a doormat. There's a difference. In that working hard, you know, especially working hard when, when, when your situation isn't ideal, when it's not to the maximum of how you would like it to look, it signals that you have an eternal reward that far surpasses anything else that people can find here on earth. That's why it's not so much about, about what you're doing for people outside of the church. It's about who you're becoming in Christ that gets noticed the most. Because this is what gives credibility to the hope that we have in Jesus. And I'm telling you, it's this kind of life that honors God the most. And it's a reminder to us that, that, that we love only because he first loved us. And the more and more that you and I come to, come to understand this and experience this on a, on a personal level, then I'm telling you, our capacity to love other people will start to expand. Just like when, when we open our homes and, and we show hospitality, we're, we're reminded together. We can come together and remember that Jesus is that source of enduring hope. And we can take in those moments and we can come together and we can echo what we're about to celebrate together in this last song that, that you know, I'm fighting a battle that's already won. I'm in that position now. And, and, so, and so what that means is no matter what comes my way, no matter what comes your way, that, that Jesus, you are the source of my enduring hope. And so as a result, I will overcome. I'm fighting a battle that's already been won. And this is the real love of Jesus. So let my life, let your marked Life be marked by this real love of Jesus. And I'm telling you, when, when you and I do that well, man, our capacity to love other people expands incredibly. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, 
you know, the, deepest, the, the deepest desire of, of our heart is to, is to experience something real. Amen, Father. I, I pray that that means that, that as, as we grow to know you more, that, that we have the opportunity to experience your love more. Because, Father, that, that's what gets noticed most. It's the credibility behind the hope that we have in Jesus. Father, we need that more and more. Give us that more and more. And Father, help us, help us come together inside the church and, and make us a new family, brothers and sisters in Christ. And help us love one another. Man, because we, we confess to you that, that that is not always an easy thing to do. Amen. Sometimes people are not easy to love. Sometimes we just don't even have the time or the bandwidth to be able to love people well. Father, help us. I think, Father, also in those moments, man, help us. Help us live quietly. Help us live quietly because, because we get distracted so easily by, by the noise and the chaos around us. And that's why, Father, we pray that your word will speak into our lives and to quiet our souls. And Father, I pray that, that those around us, especially those outside of the church, that they'll see something different about our life and the hope that we have. Because, Father, we want everything that we do to bring hope, to bring honor and glory only to your name. It's in Jesus we pray.